we went in and worship. Those people were awesome in worship. Now, I was saying, Lord, do you like this? And he said, yes, I do, as a matter of fact, because I wasn't a bluegrass girl. But they really worshiped, and God came down. But when the woman got up to introduce me, she said, we're so glad Sister Benton's here and that othern with her, too. So that's why we just call her that othern. You know, that's that other one for those of you who don't understand it, that other. So, okay, here is our goal this afternoon. Our goal this afternoon is that I'm going to speak and let you uh, out within an hour for those who need to leave. But for those who need ministry, we're going to remain. But the rest of you can go home and take a nap because God bless you. How many of you are so tired, but you're trying to hang in there? Let's just raise your hand. All right, if you go to sleep on me, I forgive you in advance. If I go to sleep on you, we're in trouble because I just might join you. So, um, but let me give away a couple of things real quick. Uh, we sell our CDs for $3 through uh, CBU because we want to get the word out. That's the only reason we sell the CDs. And so, uh, and CBU gets part of that, and our ministry gets a couple of bucks of it, which we use to reproduce them again. Anything of mine you buy that is not CBU produced, you can reproduce it as much as you want. You don't have to pay for me. It is copyrighted by the Holy Spirit. So you just make as many of anything you want, give it to anybody you want. We're not going to sue you or anything else because it, but that's the whole purpose of why we do what we do. And this is my testimony. I, I don't have time to go into a lot of it, but I just had a horrible upgrowing, uh, and God just, I'm just sane today because a woman came across my path, just divine appointments. And you do not have to end this thing because you began it bad. And daddy doesn't have to make it right. And your brother doesn't have to make it right. Because if you'll walk with God, he'll put divine appointments to cause you to enjoy life like June talked about. And I just enjoy my boyfriend. That would be my husband. That's what I call him. You know, I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. And, uh, well, June said last night you could have sex with anybody and enjoy it. I said, I know she didn't say that, but I, I, <laughs> I, I knew what she meant, but, you know. Um, but um, when I entered the marriage, I was not healed from my past because I'd just gotten saved. And we had a rough go the first few years. And I thank God for a godly man, but mostly God taught me how to allow him to heal me. And when I go see my boyfriend tomorrow, I've been separated from him for seven days. I'm going to kiss him and wallow all over him. And when we first got married, that would have been hard for me. So I'm just telling you, whom the son has set free, she is free indeed, okay? So uh, this is just for anybody chasing donkeys is the name of it because of divine appointments. Who? All right, just, just take that. Have you ever just wanted to quit? Do I want to explain this one? Who wants it? I know none of you ever wanted to quit. Just somebody come and get it. It's, you know, whoever gets it. Don't fight. This is a church, all right? <laughs> Women will just fight, all right? The power of choice. To me, this is one of the best things on the table. The reason I say that is we, we just need to understand we have to choose to do the things of God and walk the things of God. And I just see so many people, well, the Holy Spirit will do it through me. Well, do you think you don't have to cooperate with Him? And uh, power of choice. Wrong choice. But I tell you what, if you see me, if you can't afford the three bucks, I'll just give you one, all right? This is an awesome CD. This is Amy Rath on CD, and uh, it's just got great background music. Wait a minute. This, this one you have to qualify for. Wait a minute. These are $10. You cannot duplicate them because we don't own the music. If you do, you'll go to hell. You cannot. I just have to tell people, we cannot duplicate these. We don't own the right. She has to pay uh, royalties for the songs, now, so you can't duplicate them. But we did get help in producing it uh, through our ministry, and that's why we can sell it for $10, of which some of that goes. When, we go, when I go to church retreats, pastors and their spouses and staff, everybody gets one free because we want to minister to pastors, and that's one of the things we do. We want them to get in God's presence, and uh, we're able to take them to the mission field and give them away, and then, uh, but we sell them to you rich Americans so, um, you know, so that we can use it. Now, I would like to give this to the tiredest person here. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I would like to give this to one of the women 
who raised their hands this, after, this morning when I preached that you have just about lost your song. And I want you to take this song and sit down in God's presence. You can have it, sweetheart. If you'll just pass this back there and then I won't. Uh, those are ten bucks out there. They're well worth having. The RISPA sermon I only did here, so if they don't have it here, I don't have it. I've never done that message except here. Yeah, I've never done the whole, that's the first time I've ever, I, I wrote that for that rally, and I've never done it again, so I don't have a copy of that, okay? Y- y'all do know we write messages, and we don't just only use the same ones over and over, don't you? I mean, well, I mean Mary Ann might, I don't know, but I, I, I know I don't. <laughs> But it won't sound the same as the last time she did it. I can guarantee you that, but seriously. Um, okay, we're going to be done preaching at 3 or just a few minutes after. Then I'm going to open the altars, and we're going to end at least my portion of this by saying, uh, as, and we'll walk through some things today, but joy from the Lord and the fullness of joy. But I don't want us to leave out the fact that at the end we'll do this. There's also miraculous power to turn around things in your life. And it's not always a walkthrough. It is very, very often. But then there are times God just comes on the scene. And we need to be open to that. Now, if he doesn't do that, he'll give you the power to walk through it. But we're going to end today opening ourselves up for the miraculous flow of God in some situations, if that's the way God chooses. Now, I see a lot of people fanning. How many are hot? Because if they've eaten and they're hot and they're sleepy, it's hopeless. All right, now go ahead and slap the girl next to you and say, come on, just hang in there for about 45 minutes. Trust me, we understand you're tired. We, we really are sympathetic. I, I, I know, because I'm tired. I know Marianne is. I want to get you out because I want you to rest and come back. Because how many of you think she's just worth coming back for? Amen. <laughs> I'm serious. So, you know, if I didn't get any sleep, I'd come back. But I want you out to be rested because I want you to be open to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, so I'm very serious about getting you out here in time to take a little nap or, or uh, whoever it was that kept me up on find your room. You will not take a nap. So um, <laughs> thanks to Pam Howell, who's taken care of me two years in a row. She and I have become friends over the internet, and she's taking care of me, so thank you, Pam, for what uh, you have done for me. Uh, Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Are we there? If you're not, say, wait. It's just Matthew, Mark, Lou, and John Acts. My gracious. I mean, we're not talking Zephaniah, okay? <laughs> Acts 28. Laughter is good medicine. I'm glad during this conference of joy that every speaker has made you laugh because there's just something good in that. I had a man who called me down one time after I had uh, finished a message in a church, and he said, you ought not laugh like that in the pulpit because God doesn't approve. Now, just how many think I know how to take care of myself? <laughs> now, you know what you want to say. Shut up, buddy, is what you want to say. But no, I just said, you know, the first miraculous act that our Lord ever did was a wedding, which is a festive occasion. I doubt seriously said, no more dancing. Don't you enjoy this wedding? And nobody enjoys anything because I'm about to do something spiritual here. In the midst of rejoicing and laughter, God works. And I just think that's the way it ought to be. So we're going to laugh. If you can't handle it, you just stay down and take a nap, all right? Because I'm telling you, we're, we're going to laugh, but then we're going to get serious with the word. So just thank God for laughter. It's just fun to laugh. Are you there now? Acts 28. Now, when they had escaped, then they found out that the island was Malta. And the natives showed an unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain. Uh, did I tell you what verse? The beginning. <laughs> I have no earthly idea what version I'm reading out of, so don't ask me. I print mine in big letters because I'm old, so I don't even know. I, I can tell it's not one I'm used to reading out of, though. Uh, 
And the natives, verse 2, showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down. But after they had looked for a long time, a long time they looked, after they looked a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was God. Now, Lord, we just ask you to open our hearts, uh, energize our spirits, and may each woman receive her portion. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now, I have raised three sons, as I told you this morning. Being the only female in the house, I had to learn to do a lot of guy things. I had a choice that I could be this frumpy little frilly mother and never, you know, fix everything, laces and roses, or I could learn how to hang out with boys. So I just decided to do that. My husband is a sports addict. My three sons are sports addicts. But rather than take that road that some women take where they just, you know, give them grief about it all the time, I chose a different route, and I learned sports. I can talk sports with you as good as any man on the planet. When I am traveling during football season, my children call me to discuss Alabama football, and we talk about who did what. And if I have one child, I wouldn't even have a conversation if I couldn't talk like that because he doesn't talk about anything else. And so um, I just had to learn to do some of those things. Uh, my sons, because of that, I, I learned to play golf with them, and I, I just learned to do a lot of things. But when they were little guys, their daddy had a bright idea. Now, remember, I was raised Poe, and we just kind of lived in this old house that didn't have a bathroom and all. And so my husband had a bright idea and said, let's take the boys camping. And they were just these small little boys, and I, I guess they were probably 6, 8, and 10 at that time. I said, okay, we'll go camping. Now, we lived in uh, Beaufort, South Carolina. My husband was a pastor there at the time. And so there was a 15 minutes from us hunting island, which you could go and uh, – camp out there. Well, it was the middle of July. And so we decided, well, this will be good. And before you would go over the bridge to get to the island, they'd have a sign that say vacancies in the campground and all of this so that you wouldn't drive all the way over there if they had no vacancies. My husband went and bought a tent and bought this little stove that I didn't know he really thought we were going to cook on it, but he went, he went and bought this little stove and bought a lantern and bought a sleeping bags and this great big tent. And he brought it home, and he set it up in the front yard, and he said, if you water it down, it won't leak. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> so he watered it totally down, one end to the other. We go to the beach, and we've got all these little boys in tow in that station wagon, and we set everything up. And, and we get out there, and I didn't know he meant we were going to put that thing in the sand, so we put it in the sand. Now, I'm just a neat freak. You don't have to be, but I am. So... I was already in trouble because as soon as we got there, I said, we have to have a vacuum cleaner. Because I did. I said, we can't do this because there's so much sand, it's just everywhere. And he said, Barbara, we can't have a vacuum cleaner. I said, well, you have to go to that little place up there then, and you have to get a broom. So he had to go buy a broom so we could sweep the tent constantly. But now in, in the process of that, we did not know. This was before Internet days. We did not know that a heat wave was coming through, and the heat index was going to be 114 while we were there. It was just, you know, we didn't, know, we didn't understand why there were only 10 other campers out there. We did not know that. So we set this tent up, and we're all excited, and these little boys are all excited, you know, and we're just, oh, this is going to be fun. And we also didn't know that there were, you know, don't have Internet days, that this line of storms was going to come through. So we get this set up, and we go out and get on the beach with those boys, and we say, this is good. It's just good. We get back in the tent, and uh, when nighttime comes, I have to use the bathroom, and I find out i got to walk a, you know, a country mile down there to use the bathroom. And then I get down there to use this bathroom, and I sit down, and I look all around, and there are just fr those frogs that have suction cup feet. They are everywhere. Are there any men in here? Okay. I was afraid to pull my underwear down, if you know what I mean, because they were everywhere. I was afraid to sit down. 
I, I mean, I just tell you, because I was like, so, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, and it's, it's been hot, and, but I'm doing okay on this camping trip, and I'm sitting and holding my feet up in the air and trying to use this and trying to beat frogs off, and, and I just thought, you know, I don't like this, but I'm trying to be a good girl about it and, you know, let these boys have a good time. So we go back, and we go to sleep. This tent is brown, dark brown on the bottom. About the time we hadn't been laid down long, it was, it was hot, man, it was hot. And so we laid down, and I felt something crawling on me. And, um, you know, I knew how the children felt. I knew it wasn't them. So it, it, anyway, we, I told my husband, I said, there's something on me. And he likes this little lantern thing. And sure enough, there's a, they call them palmetto bugs because they don't want to say cockroach, you know, <laughs> skateboard. And so this, this, this thing is just crawling on me. And my husband is tired and hot from doing all this. And he reaches over and he slaps it and said, go to bed, Barbara, it's gone. And I said, I want to see the body, because I knew he was lying. I said, I am not going to sleep unless I see the body. So we have to get up. We have to get these boys up, get their sleeping bags up. And sure enough, that cockroach just climbed right out of one of those sleeping bags, because I knew he had the spirit of lying in him. And we, so we killed that, and we lay back down. Well, in the middle of the night, I'm finally thinking we're going to rest. It's cooled down. At least the sun is not coming. And then I start hearing thunder and lightning. And when I do... It gets really bad, and that tent starts doing like this. I, I'm, it starts, it, it's funny now, okay? It's doing like this, and it's shaking, and I'm getting afraid. And I looked out, and they have tall pine trees there. And those pine trees were bending over like this. And I said, we can't stay in here. We're going to die. He said, we are staying in here. I said, we are not staying in here. We finally had to get out of our car, I mean, get out of that and get in the back of our station wagon, burning up now, have to keep the windows up, and all sleep in that back part of that station wagon. And I'm having a good time. <laughs> and so we get in the back of that station wagon, and I just pray for our lives that, you know, we'll make it. Because these are terrible, terrible, terrible storms. We get up the next day. There are tents wrapped around trees. I mean, it is a mess. It's a wonder the thing even stayed up. And I said, I'm going home because this is not the trip I thought I was going on. <laughs> and, buddy, I packed up, and I told these boys, if you'll go home with Mama, you can stay up, eat popcorn, candy, chocolate, till the next three days we were going to be down here. You can watch TV all night. Just don't make me stay here. And they said, that'd be fun. So they went back. <laughs> But one thing I learned in that trip was that was just not the trip I thought I left for. Just not the trip. Now, two weeks ago, I was due to speak in Norfolk, Virginia for a weekend. And when I uh, arranged the tickets, I try to be as economical for groups as I can. And so I inconvenienced myself. They wanted me there by about 1 o'clock if I could get there, and, uh, even though it didn't start till 7. So I tried to accommodate them. But the only way I could do it was to get a flight that took me first to Newark, New Jersey, then back down to Norfolk, explain that, and be cheaper than one that would just take me there. But I thought, well, I'll save these people $100, and I'll do this. So I take this, and I have to leave my home to go to the airport at 5 a.m., and, and uh, so I go to the airport, and I find out that Newark, I find out a couple of days before that there's a possibility of an ice storm coming through there. And so I kept tabs on it, and I'd call the folks, and I'd say, now, if this weather's looking like I'm not going to get there, why don't I get a one-way ticket on something like Southwest, fly there, and we'll just, you know, pay the extra money to make sure I get there. We say, yeah, yeah, just do that. So I got to the airport. My flight was not canceled. They said, we're going to Newark. Uh, you're going to get in there in time. The weather's going through later. You'll make it just fine. And so I called and told them that, and we all agreed that was the thing to do. So I fly to Newark. I get to Newark actually early, 10 o'clock. Now, you can see a little snow on the ground from the sky, but it's not anything major, and I think, well, this is good. I get in the airport, and I find that the two flights prior to mine to Norfolk have been canceled. The two after mine have been canceled, but I'm this great woman of God that he's going to use, so mine's still going. <laughs> you, you know how, listen, I had my testimony ready. Well, I'm telling you, God knew the powerful woman of the Lord had to come. So he canceled the ones before and after said, no, we have to leave this plane. I was already writing it out how I was going to tell it. <laughs> so I go, and we get on the plane, and sure enough, we're going to be on time. When we get on that plane, it's, it's a small one. One side only has one seat, and I'm in the front one. It, you know, so, so the people behind us, you know, they're, they're sitting like this. You don't know if they're sitting or having to use the bathroom because they're just having to you know, sit like this. So I get on this plane, and we sit there about 20 minutes, and they said, okay, we are leaving. 
But we are going to go out and de-ice the plane to be sure there's no problem. Because by then it had begun sleeting just a little bit. And then we're off to Norfolk. So I call these people. I said, God's letting my plane go. I'll be there. So we go out on, and we line up. And they say, about, it'll take 20 minutes to de-ice it. Well, three hours later, we aren't up there. Now we're sitting cramped in this little thing. People behind me are starting to get irritated, especially people, men with no leg room. There's an older couple that literally said, you're going to have to get him off the plane. He's going to die if he has to sit any longer. And they said, well, he can't get off. She said, well, he can't die here. You're going to have to get him off the plane. And so they want to get off, but we're out on the tarmac. And finally, we get up there for our opportunity to be de-iced. And the flight attendant says to me, she and I had become good friends by then, and she said, <laughs> she said uh, we're getting out of here because I, I hate the Newark airport. They hate the Newark airport. Talking about the pilots, we're going to get out of here tonight because nobody wants to spend a night here. I said, I'm with you. So we get up there, and they de-ice the whole plane. And I'm saying, man, what a testimony I'm going to have. What a testimony. Don't you just cry for a testimony? How many of you just want a testimony, you know? <laughs> so I get up there, and they de-ice that plane. And then they have a guy drive around because they do it visually as well just to see if all the ice is off. And he drives around. He doesn't like what he sees. And he said, well, I think we just need to go over it again. Well, I don't think that's a problem. It doesn't take long to de-ice it once you get up there. And then the pilot says, excuse me, we've sat here so long, we don't have enough gas to get to Norfolk. <laughs> now, so I'm thinking, it's okay. They'll send a truck out here. What do I know about this stuff? They'll send a truck out here. We want you to turn the plane around, go back to the gate, and let us gas it up. So we turn around to go back and... And I'm getting a little nervous by then, and so I asked the flight attendant, are we still going to get out? She said, uh, oh, we're going to get out. I said, but we'll have to wait three hours again. It is starting to sleep like crazy out there by now. I've watched it accumulating. And she said, oh, no, 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 they'll put us up first. Now, I'm not stupid. I'm not a pilot, but I'm just not stupid. How do you take a plane and go around a bunch of other ones and say, I'm passing on the left? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just thinking, I, I, I don't know about this. So we get back to the gate. Well, then you got some people who said, we didn't have any lunch. Can we get off? They said, nobody can get off. And I'm thinking, I looked at them all. I said, you got enough to last the trip, trust me. And, uh, and uh, moi included. No, we got to get off. So finally, they said, the older couple had to get off. They said, we can't take the trip. We just have to take another day. My husband cannot sit on the plane any longer. They let them get off. Somebody with a baby needed to get off, which I understood. And then finally... They let these whiny people get off to eat. I said, feed them peanuts, you know. But they let them off. I knew when we got off, it was over. I knew it was over. We got off, and they said, now, just wait around. Just wait around. We're still going to leave. We're still going to leave. And I'm this great woman of faith. I call these people. We're still leaving. Nobody else in the whole airport, because they just said the airport's closed, but we're leaving. <laughs> they did. They said, airport is closed. No, we're leaving. We're leaving. So... Just to be safe, because I'm smart enough, I went down and stood in customer service and said, I better get a backup ticket in case there's a problem. From the where I stood to get over there, because so many flights had already been delayed, was about an hour wait. And I stood in that line, and I got about halfway through it. Some guy that had met me on the plane ran down there and said, ma'am, I know you're going to do a church thing. And he said, you need to come back. They said, our plane is getting ready to take off. Now I've gone already 30 minutes through this line. I said, Okay, thank you for telling me. I said, are you sure before I get out of this line now? Oh, yeah, they've already told us. The pilots have already finished eating. They're ready to go, so come on back. So I go down there, and I go back all the way to that gate. We get to that gate, and we keep saying, are we leaving? Well, they haven't told us you aren't, but the airport's closed. You know? Nobody's home. And so, and, and you know, and so I'm listening to them, and I'm not feeling real good about this. So uh, I'm going to try not to take the whole sermon up on this, but this will help take us somewhere. So I finally, about 45 minutes later, they come out, and here's what they say to us. All of your luggage has been taken off the plane and is now on carousel aid, and you will have to go to luggage to get it, but you cannot reenter the airport because you do not have a boarding pass to get on any plane. And I, now I want to tell you what, what happened. I watched people explode. And I had a choice to make, because I'm going to tell you what, when I left home that morning walking in God's business, I've never missed a speaking engagement, never. 
and I was on God's business. And sometimes when we're on God's business, and yours is the only plane going out, you just know it's going to work out the way you think. I am speaking six times at this retreat. I'm the only thing going the whole weekend. They said, if you don't get here tonight, we'll do something. We don't know what we're going to do if you're not here tomorrow. So I'm feeling real bad about this. But I have to call them and say, I don't think we're going to get out until people are exploding. And I had a choice to make. And I said, God, I can either be aggravated, tell everybody what I think, get on that negative complaining bandwagon, which isn't going to change one thing, or I can say my schedule is in your hands. I should have said, get me out of here. But I said, my schedule is in your hand. <laughs> and so now they said, after these people have exploded, and I just didn't, didn't say anything, and I, I, they said, go get back in that line. You need to get another ticket. I go back, and there are literally a 1,000 people in that line, if there's one. Stood in line six hours to get a ticket change. Now, but here, here's the thing. You would have thought if people would have had a pistol, thank God you couldn't bring guns in there. They would have shot every person flying. Every per- We would have never got there and shot the pilots. We would have never gotten anywhere. And I made up my mind. I made a decision. And I said, God, this is not how I thought this thing was going to work out. But I'm here to tell you I'm going to be a Christian woman, and I'm going to be honorable, and they don't know me from Adam, except a few of them knew I was going to a church women's retreat. And I said, I will not disgrace your name by trying to make some big deal and cuss a little flight attendant out or somebody sitting at a counter because I can't get out because see either he holds my schedule or he doesn't and you can get all bent out of shape and say well this is not the trip I was going on well this is exactly what we read about Paul today because Paul leaves on a ship uh, we don't have time to dissect it all because I, I, I want to make sure we have plenty of time to get to the end where I want to be But when Paul leaves on this trip, he's been a prisoner. He's been uh, uh, put in prison for preaching the gospel. And and, uh, Paul says, well, I should be judged as a Roman. You can't do anything with me. So he's put on this ship to go to Rome. He's put in for preaching the gospel. Now, I call that persecution. We call persecution, I didn't get to do the solo. And then we wonder why we don't have joy and why we don't have power. Because let me tell you how this could be. I could say, well, why does Marianne get two night services and I get the one where they're sleepy? <laughs> I mean, really. Well, why, why, why did June get last night? I mean, and then, excuse me, once Chick here got here, Justin... <laughs> Why did you move me over there? If you remember, first night I was right there. No, but wait. But listen. Do you know how many people get bent out of shape about stuff like that? I don't care. I actually, matter of fact, I told you, I don't care if you put me back there. Now, I like front row just because I don't like to see all the stuff going on in between. I sit on the front row at my home church. I, it's too much distraction for me. But I could have gone over there and said, I can't believe they put us over here. I can't believe. They give them the night services. They put me in that seat over there. Do they not know who I am? <laughs> yeah, and then she called me a worm. Now, I want you to hear me. We lose the battle on stupid stuff. If Betsy Roy, and she knows this is true, if Betsy Roy asked me to sit on the floor over there to give my seat to somebody to have enough seats, Betsy Roy knows I would sit on the floor and I wouldn't grumble about it. I would rather sit on the seat. But it doesn't always turn out when you take a step this way just because you're walking with God. It doesn't always mean it's all going to fall in place because I got a testimony. I got a testimony today. I spent three days in the Newark airport, could not even get out to go to a motel in the clothes I had on because couldn't get to my luggage because couldn't get back in to get a ticket and be on standby to try to get out when I could. I spent three days in that airport 
same clothes, same underwear, no makeup. Ended up looking like a bag lady, pulling that one little thing, bought some stuff in bags, wrapped them around. They gave me a pillow and a blanket. Now here's Barbara Benton, great woman of God, walking up and down the aisles, looking like that. I was terrible looking. My husband wasn't even sure he wanted me to come home. I'd have given a lot of money for big girl underwear that day. But now listen. I determined, because I never knew it was going to take that long to get out. Trust me. Never. I thought I'd be out somewhere in a motel, have a steady ticket. But every time I got a ticket, it got canceled. When it got canceled, I'd have to go get in the line and get another ticket. Then they'd say, well, we can put you on standby, but you can't leave the airport because you have to be here for standby. So I couldn't leave the airport. And then that flight would get canceled. And it was just a nightmare. Just a nightmare. And there were ugly people in that place. I'm not talking about the way they look. They were just ugly people. There were some of those too, but that didn't got anything to do with this story. <laughs> but listen, listen. I determined that this thing did not work out like I thought, but he was still God, and I was going to represent him. Dirty underwear and all. <laughs> now, this is where Paul is. And I don't, I don't want to take a long time with this, but I want to just show you a few principles. And if I have to, I'll skip through a few because I want to get to the miraculous at the end. First of all, he had unexpected turns on his journey. I don't know why we get so shocked when we got this vision. I, I'm almost sick of the buzzword destiny. I understand it, and I'm not going to toss it out, but I'm almost tired of it. Oh, I got this destiny. She gave a word over me. Baby, did she tell you that where these people act like they walk with God like this? I can only describe me. This has been my walk with God. Is anybody in my camp today? There are unexpected turns. Now, I was ignorant when we went in pastoral ministry. I was only 20 years old when my husband took his first church. Just been saved a while. Come out of this hellacious environment. I had been taught church people were nice. My husband takes his first church, and I'm married to the pastor. This is fabulous. Oh, Lord, was I stupid and ignorant. I, I wanted to quit every three hours, forget every three weeks. And I just wanted, you know, because God had not shown me, listen, you have to trust me in unexpected terms. Sometimes the plane doesn't get there, but is, do I trust him? My schedule's in your hands. See, do I trust him the day that we got the information that our son had cancer and we had just taken a brand new church, been there two months, didn't know anybody really very well. Do I trust him when suddenly that news comes there? Or say, Lord, look at us. We're serving you. My husband's a pastor. We've moved our whole family. We've done all this. We played these games with God. I don't make you mad. I just want you to listen and just think about this. God owes me nothing, and I owe him everything. Thank him if he heals me. Thank him if he supplies every need as he said he would. He owes me nothing, and I owe him everything. So we get these unexpected turns, and then we forget about destiny, because Paul, where is his final destination in this story to be? Rome, in this story, just this story. He is going there to be judged, but as he's going, the ship gets a wind that it did not anticipate, and it blows it to an island, toward an island, away from his destiny. It is an unexpected turn. Now, he could have said, oh, God, I'm never going to get to Rome. How can I get to Rome? You can't do anything, God. Look where we are. We need to understand that if your destiny is Rome... And if you will walk, even in unexpected turns, God will get you to Rome because go back and read the book. God told him he would preach in Rome one day, or that he would go back to Rome. Now, if God said he was going to Rome, he was going to Rome. I don't care what wind blew. I don't care what he went through. If he will understand that, and Paul understands that. Now, here's what I think is cool. He's on that ship. He's the Apostle Paul, but he is a prisoner on this ship. Now, he could have got this cocky, arrogant thing I see now. Can't stand it. I'm a child of the Most High God, and I'm going first class on this boat. Listen, he put me on any boat he wants to because I just want to float with him and go where he's got me to go. 
Now, I, I want you to hear me. We've had speakers come into our churches, my husband's churches. We would like to be picked up in a limousine. We want to, the finest motel, and they'll name these motels they want. And we would like dinner from this place brought to us at such and such a place. Now, this is just me. Can you tell my mind just goes in places? I told my husband, I think we ought to pick him up like they did Jesus on a donkey. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about the way you treat speakers. We treated speakers wonderfully, feel like God wanted us to. But you get this, I, I, God owes me the limousine. He owes me nothing. I'm privileged to even have a call. I'm privileged to stand before you today. And if i got to have the night service and somebody's got to pick me up in their escalator, I can't come over to the service, and you better take me to the best steakhouse in town, I need to have a seat. Love you, mean it. Now, listen. But they're just unexpected turns. Paul knows because God said to him, this is where you're going. He never loses focus of where he's headed just because there's something that takes him the other way. Now, I have had to learn as a woman who's getting older in God to keep focus of what I know God has said and where I'm headed, what His promises are, because everybody's going to have unexpected wins. My little granddaughter, when I'm holding her, will have unexpected wins. It just happens. But there are unexpected turns, and we just have, oh, what will I do? What will I do? What will I do? You will say, God, I don't know this turn. I don't understand this turn. I trust you with this turn because you told me this is what the outcome was going to be, and I'm riding with you, God. Now, see, we just got to get there because we ain't going to have much joy. Somebody said I talk Southern. It might be because I'm from the South. We don't have much joy because we want God to make it a straight shot with the highest accommodations. And I'm here to tell you it does not always work that way. I would love to make a million dollars a year like some preachers think they ought to make. And glory to God if they have it. I vote yes. Do you vote yes? I vote yes. But let me just tell you, I don't want to tell you what I make. It's not a lot, but I just thank God every need I have is supplied by His riches and glory. And I get to take this gospel all over this nation and declare the goodness of God. I'd rather have a $300 a week of salary, walk in integrity, than act like God owes me something. So there's a swerve that he takes. We're going to have to hurry. He takes this unexpected turn, and we all have them, but he's still God when these unexpected turns come. Now, the next thing is that Paul is on that ship, and everybody else is going, oh, oh what are we going to do? Now, if you aren't sound in your walk with God, you'll get just like everybody else. Oh, look at the price of gas. I do. I travel. And every time it goes up, my bills go up because I travel. And don't necessarily think that every church says, so, so like, you know, how much was the gas? They don't all do that. Even when I tell them they're supposed to, they don't do it. Now, I'm just telling you this is the way it is. But we get all, oh, what are we going to do? The sky, oh, look at my 401k. I understand that. Mine went up tremendously this year. I was turning somersaults at home, only to find out for the last month it's probably lost everything it got the first of the year. Now, I try to be smart and put money away for retirement, but ultimately, God will not let me starve in retirement. Now, I might have to size down in my house. That won't be the end of my world. That's not defeat to me. That is means less to clean. And it'll be okay. Because if I can live in a three-room house with my boyfriend and we can serve God together and do the passion of the gospel, put me in it, baby girl, before I'm going to break my neck to build up that retirement and not preach the gospel so I can have more money. See? And so, so Paul's on this ship. And one of the things that amazes me is he's a prisoner, but God moves him from prisoner to captain of the boat. Well, I, I would be farther along, but it's all these people. They won't let me move where God wants me. If I thought men could keep me from going where God, not men, but mankind, 
could keep me from moving in what God had, I might as well quit anyway because there's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of people who will step on you to get somewhere. But I'm a confident woman that he who called me is faithful to open the doors, get me there, and use me for his glory. So Paul's on this boat, and everybody else is going, and Paul hears from God. In the midst of everybody else going, now I won't make some of you mad, but I've done it before. I had a woman ask me one day, what would you do if you were in a service and everybody was slain in the spirit except you? And I said, well, I would feel sorry for all those people that God had to knock them down to speak to them. (laughs) But I would thank him that I was listening enough. He said, now you can keep walking. (laughs) Just a thought. Because listen, baby girl, Marianne and I will push all of you down if that will make you feel spiritual. But when you get out that door, you're going to have to learn to walk with them because life is going to push you down. And we get, well, I, I would have this ministry except she's in the way. Or Listen, God, I'm yours. I'm just a servant, God, I'm yours. I had a woman tell me one day, well, you're almost as good as Joyce Meyer and almost as good as um, Beth Moore. And if you'd kind of be a little more like them, I bet some big doors would open for you. Well, if that's my goal, I've spoken to some huge groups, but my favorite thing to do is a local church retreat with 75 women. That is my favorite thing to do because that's my, I know it's my call. I love it. And the reason I love it is I get to mingle with them. I get to take a whole group of them because my husband's been a pastor and I understand church life. And I can push them back in that church and hopefully influence the whole thing of influence that church and go to heaven one day and share in the benefits. And my crowd's going to be bigger than Joyce Myers because look at all those people. Now, here's the point. Thank God for her ministry. I'm not, I'm not disdaining that. But if that's my goal, then I won't operate in my gifting unless I can have a big position. Now, let me tell you about, the. I've been in WOW for a number of years. I've only been a speaker with them for just over a year. Amy actually got to play with them before I got to, to, to ever ask to speak. But see, WOW had always ministered to me, and I didn't care. I went, I went with Amy and carried her saxophone. <laughs> and we'd laugh about it, you know. I don't care. I'm just a servant. Thank God. I'm not jealous of her. Thank God. Well, her legs, but thank God. (laughs) How many of you just disdain her legs? But, you know, I told her I'd like to have her legs, but she promised me on my long torso they would just look funny. But, um, But listen, I was rejoicing with Amy. Learn to rejoice with people when God opens doors. If you get eaten up in bitterness, there's no joy in that. If I'm going to climb over here and not even go hear her play and be a part of that because, well, I can't believe they didn't discover me if that was my goal. My goal was I had godly women like this that God was preparing me for such a time as this. And thank God I allowed him to wait and grow me up some. Thank God because I'm, I'm a lot sweeter now. How many of you can just tell I'm sweet? I'm just a lot sweeter now. Now, Amy doesn't mind if I use her, but Amy used to despise her own gift. Now, Paul could have said, Lord, you know, I just, you know, I just don't like who I am on this ship. I'm just, you know. But Paul operates in his gift, understands his gift. His gift is to hear from God and give the word to the people. He could have said, I wish I had the gift of hospitality. I could make everybody feel better. I mean, he could have. We need the gift for the moment. Now, here's what we think sometimes. We think the person on the platform is the important person. I have never wanted the platform. It is a God call thing. Trust your mama here. It is never something I wanted for myself. The first speech I ever gave at college, I fell apart, and they never made me give another one. I said, I'll never speak in front of people again. My husband's first church he had, I never taught a Sunday school class, wouldn't work with children's church, went in one minute before it began, left as soon as he said amen because I was shy, I was introverted, I thought I had no giftings. And when God called me to do this, I said, let me explain why that won't work. Now, I just said that to say, first of all, if he calls you, he can equip you. 
Would you agree with me? If you're going to do this, you have to get up here and talk. And God equipped me to do it, but I waited until that time. Now, Amy thought then as she came along and we became friends and we began to mentor Amy, she thought ministry was speaking. And so Amy thought if you could just speak, you'd be a minister. You'd be ministering, doing something from God. And so, you know, and I said, that's right. No, but, but you know, and, and so Amy begins to work some at doing some speaking in some of the venues we'd be in where they'd, you know, have some seminars. Now, Amy works with hospice, has to give presentations at schools and all that thing, all that kind of thing. She does a lot of that kind of stuff. She, she can speak, but it wasn't her God call. Just because you can speak doesn't mean you have an anointing and an office to get up and do it. Now, you might. But see, we got, if we could all find where we need to be in this thing, there'd be joy in our lives because we'd be fulfilled for stars. I am very fulfilled at what I do, and I'm still introverted, but I love what I do. But I am as introverted as the day is long. I'm ha- I had to learn to be nice to you. I had to learn to say hello to you. That's just true. That's another whole story. Now, Amy gets up one day, and I watch her, and she's struggling. Now, I'm her best girlfriend, and I want to do everything I can, but I'm thinking, Lord... I don't think this is her gifting, but I didn't want to say that to her. I didn't. I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So one day we started talking, and it just kind of came up, and she said, this is too hard for me. And I said, well, you know what? I just think this is not your gifting, but you're so good at the instruments. Begin to develop that. She accepted that, got started getting invitations right after that, cuts a CD, plays all over the nation, plays in her churches, because she said, I don't have to stand up there to be a minister and do that. God just used me. And the girl, I have seen her at times when the Spirit of the Lord moved on her to be a psalmist, and we see the whole service break open. See, why? Gifting. Now, my husband is a fabulous pastor. Fabulous pastor. Now, I say that to say, I've seen some who preach better, and that's not meaning he's a bad preacher. But preaching doesn't make you a fabulous pastor. But my husband, he is the kind of pastor that when he walked in to the church, even the little kids would run and grab him on the leg. Pastor, 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 I'm so glad to see you. And I walk in and they do like this. (laughs) He's just pastor. God has anointed him. He's called him. Now, we take this first church that I told you about, and we go in there, and boy, we're excited because we got this whopping congregation between 18 and 20 people. <laughs> We've arrived. They don't only not put you in charisma. They won't put you in the one ads if you got a church of 20. We walk in there, but my husband is so happy to be pastoring this little church. He's got these 18 or 20 people, and he's learning how to do this, and he just thinks this is wonderful because he's gifted to do it. He loves people, loves God's people. We'll sit and ball with them, cry with them, live with them. He just loves it. But then we uh, had our first child, and we did not have any insurance, and, and our furniture was early pastoral, and so was our salary. So we have this baby, and we have no insurance, and we still owe $300 on this child, Michael. And uh, I'm thinking, I don't, and I'm ignorant. I wish I had time to tell you stories. I was so ignorant coming out of life because of the way I was raised. And I'm thinking, they're going to repossess this boy. What are we going to do if we can't pay this 300 Now, my third one, I would have considered it. But, 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 no, but seriously. So we're getting these bills. You need to pay this bill. You need to pay this bill. And we don't have the money. We, don't, we hardly have. We just have enough that we're living and God's supplying the needs. But my husband's happy. He's a pastor. He'll pastor anybody. He'd pass somebody walking down the road. He'd pastor them. If they wanted pastoring. He's just excellent at it. So anyway, one Wednesday night, on Wednesday night we'd have maybe five. You know how churches are. We'd make five. So five visitors walked in. Now, when you only got five, five visitors, you notice them. <laughs> we said, glory to God. God's moving. So we talked to them afterwards, and we found out they were there with the local carnival for three weeks. And I told my husband, carnival people? They said, he said, they said, would you be our pastor while we're in town? I said, you can't pastor carnival people. You can pastor carnal people, but you just can't pastor carnival people. My husband was delighted pastor these people. He'd go see them in their little trailer they lived in, and he'd visit, and they would come, and they came to every service, and they were just excited. So that last week they were there, they said, Pastor, 
would you come over and serve us communion in our uh, little trailer? And he said, of course I will. So he goes over, and when he gets there, they said, Pastor, we're going to get some wine and some bread down. Now, my husband was raised, oh, lying Pentecostal. Now, he, he's very free now, but I'm talking about if, if lips were touched by wine, you went to hell uh, immediately. <laughs> it was worse than Ananias and Sapphira. You just went immediately. <laughs> so he's sitting there panicking, but, you know, he said, God, what am I going to do? So they go over, and they come in and say, Pastor, I, c- I can't believe this. We're out of wine, but we do have water. And I said, look at what a ministry you got. You turned wine to water. <laughs> <laughs> What a ministry you have. <laughs> he just kept loving these carnival people three weeks. He just loved pastoring them. They came to the last service they were coming to. They said, Pastor, this is our last service. And he just hugged them. He's glad to see them go. And I mean, no, he wasn't. I'm sorry. That was me. No, no. <laughs> I'm and, and they left, and, and he was just so thrilled, and he locked the church. And we lived about as far as from here to the front pew from the church. You could stand on our porch and hop over to the church porch. That's how close we lived. I learned real quick after that first church. But we, we, we would hop over there. And uh, these guys got to their car and came all the way back and said, Pastor, God just spoke to us, and he told us to give you something. And he said that it's not for the church, it's for you. And he said, okay, and they put something in his hand and just turned around and walked off, and it was three $100 bills. Now, listen to me. We paid that boy off. We still got him. <laughs> listen, he's Madison's daddy because God saw what was coming down the line, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Galen did not wait till he had a huge church to pastor. He said, it's my gift, and I just want to operate in my gift. Because of that, the miraculous flowed to our family. He didn't have some great, big, huge church. If you will operate in your gift, the miraculous can flow. Operate in hospitality if that's your gift. Operate in exhortation. We're all sitting here. If I had that gift, I'd be somebody. If we'll all move in that gift, God can do miracles in every gifting. And I'm here to tell you, He can use carnal people, I mean carnival people. Learn to operate in your gifting. Just move in your gifting. And he may call you to a gifting that you think you aren't. And then he'll equip you. That's what he did for me. He equipped me because I was just everything. I just thought I could never do this. All right, third thing, real quick. We're going in here in five minutes, four points. You ready? Dark days can produce cold periods in your life. I don't care who you are. Can we be real? I wish I could tell you that all my years of serving God, I've always been on fire, but I've gone through some stuff that I felt I was barely hanging on to him and he was barely hanging on to me. But when Paul gets the word from God, uses that gift, the ship finally comes where everybody's safe, and I wish we had time to develop all these, and he gets to the island. It's not destiny. It's a stop on the way. We get hung up on the stop on the way. The question on the stop is, is there something I need to learn here? Is there something I'm going to minister here? I don't know, but God, I'm just here. And so he gets off, and the Bible says they're cold, and people build a fire for them. Now hear me. Other speakers do not have to agree with this, but I just believe this is what the Lord's put in my spirit. There's nothing wrong with going through a period that causes you to feel coldness spiritually. It is what you do when you find yourself there. Because I see people on these guilt trips, oh, I don't know what it is, I don't feel anything anymore, and and I just feel cold. It's what you do. Paul gets off and he's smart enough to understand, I need to get as close to the fire as I can. You know what we do? I can't go to church. I'm just not feeling anything right now. Now, if you ain't got a church on fire, skip yours that day and find one that does. Just that day. I don't want to upset any pastor. I'm not asking to leave. But we need to go get some CDs from this ministry here and say, I just need to get by the fire because, God, I am cold. I'm not staying there. It's been a hard time, but I understand I'm walking in destiny, and I'm asking you, Lord, to begin to warm me up. Now, here's, here's the key. When he does that and he begins to warm up, 
Man, I wish we had time to develop a lot of this. He begins to warm up. And when he does, the fire starts to go down. Paul doesn't say, I'm the Apostle Paul. First of all, somebody get the fire going. You know what else he doesn't say? Uh-oh, it's going out. I'm in a cold period. Somebody needs to build me another fire. Love you, mean it. Now I want you to hear me. There's a time somebody will build it for you. There's a time you need to build it yourself. I don't, I, I love, I tell you, I have gotten fed at this conference this weekend. I thank God these other two, uh, three women have just, I am fed this weekend. And I love it. But I go do a lot of conferences by myself, and I better feed myself in between. Because I have, I, I don't depend on them to do it. Or you'll go, oh, God, I went to hear them, and they didn't have anything to say. Build your own fire. The fire's going down. Paul says, excuse me, I'll be right back. I, the apostle Paul, am just a servant. Well, it's my position. My position is called humility. And he goes over, and the Bible says he starts picking up sticks to put on that fire. Now, hear me. My church is just so cold and dead. Why don't you put a stick on the fire? Nobody in my church worships. Well, I think you just included yourself. I wish I could tell you the meetings I've been in where I said, God, ain't nothing anointed here but the announcements today, but that's fixing to change because Barbara Benton's in the building. Not with a cockiness, but say, I'm going to praise God if nobody else is praising God. I'm going to enjoy my own sermon and buy the tape if I have to, but I'll tell you what, there's going to be a fire in this place because Barbara Benton's in town. And Paul didn't wait on somebody. And that's not said with any cockiness. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. And Paul goes over and he begins to build a fire. Why don't you put a fire of speaking words over your pastor that will build him up instead of complaining about everything you don't like about the poor man? I got news for you. He might not like you. But that has nothing to do with anything. If you see your pastor drooping, why don't you speak some words and lift him up? My goodness, we need to put some fire in some people by some words of exhortation. So you can have a bucket of murmuring and complaining, or you say, you know what? I'm going to throw the bucket down, and I'm fixing to put something on here, and I'm going to begin telling my pastor God is going to move in this house. I'm praying for it. I'm going to pray through pastor till it's done. But we want to go where the fire is somewhere else, but go ahead, but you'll be the one to put it out. Not necessary. I, I'm just kidding. But here's what I mean by that. Don't always chase the fire. I think God wants the fire everywhere. We've run to revivals, and then they, Peter, and, oh, there's nowhere to go. There might be a reason for that. Build a fire. But now hear me. I'm going I'm to do this, and then I'm going to jump to my last point. We're going to forget the ones in between. But boy, are they good. Uh, <laughs> but listen, I'm serious. I think this is important that we stop at a good point and, and another day, another dime. Paul builds that fire. And when he is working for God, as sure as God moves, the snake will move. He starts taking his hand, picking up something to build a fire, and when he does, a viper attaches itself to his hand. Can we talk here? Do you know how many people said, did everybody see what happened to me? Now listen, there's a time to share your heart with people when you're wounded. And Paul goes over, and I love what the Bible says. He gets over to that fire because he understands he's a man on mission. And he says, snake, you get off of me. You do have authority over the enemy. I've often told people, and I don't mean this lightly, I'm not afraid of demons. I, can, I, can, I have authority over me in the name of Jesus. It's people that drive me nuts. <laughs> Paul does, here's, here's what he does. He could have 
walked around with that thing, and here's how we do that. I wish I had time to develop all the words hand in the Bible. Go do it. There's the hand of fellowship. We'll just do one of them, and I'll show you how this works. The hand of fellowship, the Bible talks about giving the right hand of fellowship, which means bringing somebody into the church. Well, I'm in the church, but my fellowship's been poisoned because did you hear what she said to me? You know what you ought to do? You get off of me. I'm on destiny here, and these hands are going up in the name of Jesus. You get, you know what we do? Did you see what was on my hand? No, 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 don't take it off. She hasn't seen it yet. You mean you don't want to see it on you? I know you will because I've shown you my snakes before, and you've always said, poor thing. We laugh, but we do this. And then we say, there's no joy. There's no power in my ministry. You have to recognize the snake when he moves and say, you get off of me. You have no place. You will not poison my walk with God. No, not us. We milk all the venom out of that sucker we can. Am am I preaching truth? You want me to preach a lie? I can do that. It'll feel good, but it won't set you free. Because we're going to leave this conference. Oh, I got a word from so-and-so. Oh, this, oh, that sermon was good. Trust me, the snake will move. When you get home, nobody's going to fix your dinner, make your bed. Like they did in that motel for us. I'm going to get home. My boyfriend's going to be glad to see me for 10 minutes. And then we're going to have, I'm going to realize that the whole house has to be redone. Now, I can go in, coming back from a powerful weekend like this, and I can get an attitude about that real quick. I can. It would not be hard. But I want to honor my husband and keep my home peaceful. So all I got to do is give him a 10-minute lingering kiss, and he'll clean the house. How many of you just believe I have the gift of wisdom? Now listen. Do you know how many people are out of church out of sorts, cannot walk in the joy of the Lord because they just simply will not sling the snake off. And there's nobody in here who doesn't have to have a snake handling ministry. All of us do. I bet you've never been offended anywhere you've traveled, have you, Marianne? Never. Nobody's ever said anything ugly to you. Nobody's ever treated you bad. I've gone to retreats where sometimes I'm like, is anybody home? You know what I used to think? This is where WOW grew me up. I used to think my job was to go in there and tell them how it would work better. And you know what? It might. But that's not my job there. I I had a woman tell me one time, God could never use you on television with your accent the way you sound. Now, I was in Wisconsin. She did. I'm about to go in and preach, and she says this to me. And she said, now, they put people like us on TV, but they don't put people like you on TV. I said, you need to come where I live. She said, no, national TV. They would never put anybody that talked like you. They put people that talk like us. Now, I want to tell you right now, I wanted to give her the right hand of fellowship. (laughs) Now, I want to help you, so I'm going to tell you what went through my mind. Can I tell you? Because I just want to help you. Because I have to bring my mind in submission to the Holy Spirit a lot. I wanted to say I have a better chance to get on national TV the way I talk and look than you do the way you talk and look. We're mostly talking about look. <laughs> I knew I had it. No, no, no. no, but seriously. But you know what? I have a decision to make. I can make it about me and her and the way I talk. Or I can say, you know what? I came here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going in there, and I'm going to preach. And if I preach like a hillbilly, he will anoint it. And we will see God move. And it was a Wesleyan church. And we had three services, and God moved. We sold every CD we had. Had some on back order. And people lining up to just say, I just want to talk to you. Thank you for coming today. Or I could have walked in with the snake and had no power and anointing in my life. Because he can anoint a hillbilly. Justin, now I know, no, we were kidding about my southern accent today, all right? But that's all right, Amy interpreted it for you to me so I could understand most of it. No, but listen, now, 
I, w- I wish I had a lot of time to develop that. We need to shake the snake off. Ladies, we need power in this hour, and you can't do it by being like Malchus on the ground with your ear cut off. And Jesus comes over to heal it, but Peter did it. And we said, and he said, no, I want Peter to heal it. And Jesus said, he won't, but I will. Now, let me tell you what Malchus could have said. Don't heal it, Jesus. Put it in a jar of formaldehyde. Let me take it with me. <laughs> and then every time Peter preaches, I'll say, he ain't all that. Look what he did. Or you can let God heal it and bring life to you. Last point, because I'm going to skip all the others that are so good. All right. But listen, now this is important. Paul does all of that. God moves there. He ministers on the island, gets heathens who respond to him with a snake on his hand. Everybody thinks he's going to swell up, and I wish I had time to develop that, but I think you can do it through the Holy Spirit. I don't want to walk swollen up where people are always looking at me because I'm like... But the Bible says when they stared long enough, they saw the real deal. When you stare at me long enough, I want you to see the real deal. When I leave a retreat, I don't want them to say, oh, we had a funny speaker and we, it was really good what she said. I want them to say, now, we had a woman of God there. I want to carry that kind of anointing in my life. And he gets, and not only that, here's where we get to the supernatural. Then supernatural provision gets him back on the journey toward destination. He was over here, his ship is destroyed, and those islanders give him a ship to take the rest of the journey. That is called supernatural provision. And we thank God for it. Now, let's end the tape here because that's the message, okay? We probably already did, I hope not. But but listen to me because I won't tell you something because you have to have five minutes beyond the tape. It'll be okay. They got the basics in, in the tape, but listen to me. I'm in a church right now.